friends, and welcome back to the To The Heights podcast, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Olivia Colombo, and I am a young Catholic changemaker who is embarking on this journey of interviewing young people who are doing incredible things in this world and reaching to the heights in their own lives. Our podcast is named after Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, who is known for climbing mountains and caring for the poor and vulnerable in Italy. His catchphrase, Verso Lealto, To the Heights, serves as a prayer and a reminder to many to keep on climbing those mountains in our own lives. This season, season three, um, has taken a little bit of a different turn that I am so, so glad that we made the jump to. Um, it is called Hope in Humanity, and we've been interviewing people a little bit more of a secular focus, a little bit more of a social justice focus. Um, people who are truly doing good for humanity in their own ways um, and who are a source of hope for all of us. Um, so far, we have talked to um, a bunch of really, really cool people. First up was Carly Anderson, the campus minister for For Boston, BC's biggest um, volunteer organization on campus. Um, she was so cool. And then we talked to Ambassador Ken Hackett, um, who is the former president and CEO of Catholic Relief Services and also U.S. Ambassador to the Holy See. And then last week, um, I've gotten so many compliments and heard gotten so much feedback um, from the lovely Annabelle Lenard's episode um, where we talked about Catholic social teaching, um, fast versus slow fashion, um, lots of sustainability things, um, toxic gear culture. Um, and so many other cool things that I just, last week's episode was certainly one of those moments where I felt fully alive, um, which is, I don't know, those moments are to be cherished for sure. So I highly, highly recommend that episode if you want to go check it out. Um, this week's episode is also, like, totally falls in the category of me, like, breaking the mold a little bit and, like, being done with, um... I don't know, the nice little neat podcast box that I somehow constructed that box for myself initially, um, and even just a box that I've constructed in my entire life of like, ah, this is what activism and public speaking looks like. This is what humanity needs to hear from me. Um, this week is slightly angsty, maybe. I don't know. Um, I think it's a really good and really important conversation, um, and I will, I will explain. So, this week we have on Sarah Ryan, who Sarah was actually on the podcast. She was one of the first episodes that I ever recorded. I think it's episode three, like way back in the beginning, um, March of 2019, which also doesn't sound that long ago, but feels like a lifetime ago. Um, but Sarah Ryan is a good old friend from Discipleship Week, um, and she's now at BC with me. Um, something that's changed from the last time that we recorded. Um, and she is and was a tobacco prevention activist. So she also was a young teenage activist um, and floated around in those circles. And we, over the years, and especially recently, have been having really important conversations together about what being a young person in activism looked like for us and how that impacted our lives, how that changed us, what we learned from it. Um, so this episode is us talking about um, kind of exposing a little bit, but in good ways and in bad, what we learned from being teen activists. Um, 
because there are just so many things. I, I feel like the whole point of this episode is that um, there are so many things that I wished when I was in teen activism that people knew um, about what it looked like from the inside because you see me like, I don't know, doing all of these like public speaking engagements and like traveling the country and like walking red carpets and getting awards and like all of these like very fancy looking things. Um, and in the midst of it, I really, really wanted people to know certain things about the reality um, of what it was like, the sacrifice, the things that drove it. Um, yes, the fun and the lessons that I learned too, but the the growing up too fast, the, I don't know, there are so many things embedded in it that I wished that people had known. And Sarah and I have been having these conversations and then I kind of had a wonderfully stupid moment of, hmm, wow, I I wish people knew these things. Huh, I have platforms now to tell people these things. So I could do that if I wanted to, um, which is a wonderful, like, freeing feeling, especially as Sarah and I have kind of started to exit and have completely exited the realm of youth activism as we are nearing the point where we are no longer youth and we no longer work for those organizations um, or causes anymore in that way. So, with all that being said, um, there there is some positives. I promise this episode is not all ranting. Um, Sarah and I definitely feared sounding ungrateful, um, but I think this is a really important conversation about the people in our lives who are um, high-achieving people. Um, I hate the term overachievers. High-achieving is much more preferable. Um, people who are really, really reaching to the heights in multiple areas, who are good at a lot of things and have this fiery passion and anger, um, righteous anger to change the world. Um, it's a special subset of people, and I'm sure we all know several of them or are one ourselves, um, and I don't know. This is, this is how you can help those people, how you can understand those people, um, and how we can all kind of take away little bits and pieces we have we have messages at the end of the episode to kind of take away from all of this but I hope it is a very interesting episode I hope it exposes and enlightens and teaches you something about what life as a young activist um, who's kind of in the eye of the public um, and who is working in a very adult world from being very young and what that is all like um, and a little bit from our family's perspectives as well all right, with that, here is my and Sarah's um, little story of teen activism and how we are reaching to the heights even now. All right, I am here with an old podcast friend. Um, I'm very excited, somewhat nervous, and just very ready for this podcast episode, um, but I think a good place to start, and there are so many places we could start, and th there is so much for this episode, I think a good place to start is to introduce both of us in the context of this topic. So, would you like to briefly introduce yourself and what your experience in activism has been? Oh, I'd love to. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, my name is Sarah Ryan. Um, I have worked as a tobacco control and prevention activist for, I want to say five years. I started like my freshman year of high school. Um, I worked on the statewide leadership team for the 84 movement, which is like a Massachusetts based program. 
And then I was a youth ambassador for the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, and I currently sit on their board of directors. And I'm, I was also an ambassador for the Truth Initiative for a year. So like kind of everything that you can do in tobacco control and prevention, I did. Um, and then that took some tangents into like mental health work and like addiction in general, but it was mostly just tobacco work. Mm. Very, very cool. Um, and last time that you were on the podcast, which I believe was the second episode, third episode, maybe it was like way, on there. way in, back in the beginning um, of To the Heights. We that episode was also about like how activism ties into like faith life and stuff like that. Um, I guess uh, before I get too ahead of myself, I should also talk about what I have done because um, <laughs> I'm sure it's come up. <laughs> Sometimes I talk about it on the podcast. Sometimes I just like shove it away and be like, oh, that's what middle school lived did. Um, but I mostly worked for the Jane Goodall Institute's Fruits and Shoots program, which is a youth empowerment um, service learning program. Um, I was on their U.S. National Youth Leadership Council, which is about 15 kids in the U.S. Um, who run the like youth advocacy side of the Jane Goodall Institute. I also worked for the Institute um, doing blogging and vlogging and that's how I got my YouTube start um, and then similarly I took a lot of tangents off of that into um, environmental activism renewable energy um, girls in tech that was a phase of my life I um, forgot about girls in tech live yeah yeah um, I was a huge computer science nerd th did things with like project CS girls um, national center for women and in information technology bank of America all sorts of stuff like that so I was more in the I don't know, environmental realm of things, um, which honestly, I feel like I like, <laughs> we'll talk about this, like burnt myself out <laughs> for a while. I needed a little time off toward the end of high school and beginning of college. And now like, especially coming back to like hope and humanity, like, I don't know, I feel like I've been able to like safely get back into it after a little bit of a break, um, which is nice. But all right, now I don't remember what I was going to say before I was like, oh, I should introduce myself. <laughs> Oh, well. Um, so the point of the episode today is we have had some really important conversations recently, just kind of like some of them have been very like conversational conversations. Some of them have been rants about what um, being a teen activist is actually like, because there is a huge difference between like what people think that like what people have seen us do versus what actually happens and like what we feel and what we've learned from it. Um, because we've definitely learned, I don't know, we've learned a lot and a lot of good things and a lot of not good things, a lot of things that like no like 15 year old should have to learn at 15. Um, I don't know, but it, it's this whole culture and this whole situation that just kind of like, I don't know, and I don't want anyone to be, now I'm thinking like a lot of people have always been like, how did your mom ever like let you get into this like that sort of thing like where was your mom when all this was happening to you <laughs> um but like you just like you get in it's an innately good thing or so yeah. you think when you go into it and we're we're the type of kid that needs something big to like fill us to explore to do things like we're capable of it um we so love just, a project yeah <laughs> yeah it just kind of like snowballs into something that like after the fact you're like huh that was that happened. <laughs> like, hmm. Um, all right. Where shall we start? We sh should we start on some things that we have learned? Yeah, I actually thought I might start with 
just as I was hearing myself explain all of the roles that I've had in my mm -hmm. introduction, um, my biggest takeaway recently was, I think someone else actually said this to me or it's a quote somewhere, this is by no way, in no way like my thing, but it's like, you can do anything, but you don't have to do everything mm -hmm. because I loved being a tobacco control activist. I technically still am, like I still sit on the board, but I've considerably like rolled back the work that I do. Um, and like in that space, I was like, okay, well, I'm on the state team, time to like do the national work, time to get on an adult group, like the minute I turn 18, like time to show up to every single hearing and do every single thing. And that just led to so much burnout. And also I wasn't giving my all to like every position I had, like the energy that I had was becoming divided between these organizations. And I think had I been able to like just stick to one or maybe two or like figure out how to say no to certain things, mm -hmm. I would have done a better job like in each individual position. I don't know if that makes sense, mm -hmm. but I think that like, I just tried to like do everything and be everything because I thought that that's how I would make the most impact. And I think that just like ended up like wearing me down faster and I wasn't able to like succeed in the ways that I wanted to and everything got like twisted and more confusing and more complicated as like I was trying to navigate having three roles at once. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I had an interesting conversation with Annabelle who was on the podcast last week from Resurrection and we went hiking with Father Sneesha and very well-meaning. Obviously I love him. He was like, you, you guys need to like settle down and pick one thing at some point in time. Like you two are both all over the map. Um, and I'm like, yeah, but like there, there's a certain, um, actually, you know what? Okay. So you were valedictorian in high school. I was valedictorian in high school. I don't think Annabelle school did valedictorian, but they did like the class, like honor speaker or whatever. And she was yeah. that. So like in theory, she was valedictorian too. So like there, there is this certain subset of young person who like is good at a lot of very diverse things. Um, and it's so hard um, I caught myself last night. I was like dreaming up some things and especially, I feel like it's only gotten worse. I thought it was going to get better in college, um, but it got worse that like, you're so good at different things and you love so many things and you love learning and picking up new things that like, you just want to like reach to the heights in all of those things. Like I caught myself within a span of 10 minutes. I was like, I was playing guitar last night and I was dreaming of the fact that like, I don't know, like I write praise and worship songs every so often and like nothing special, but I was like, oh my goodness, I would love to like make a bucket list and put on it that I would love to like officially record a song someday in my life. Um, and then like 10 minutes later, I was like jotting down, I have like a notebook where I keep all of my like crazy ideas. And I was like jotting down an idea to write a book about. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, I don't need to be like, and I was like, wouldn't it be cool if I was like a New York Times bestselling author? And I was like, this is, oh my goodness, go to bed, Olivia. Like, I'm laughing because I've like definitely done that. Mm -hmm. Like, not with those exact like expectations, but I've definitely like sat there and I'm like, I should do this and that and also mm -hmm. this. Like, yes, all yeah. at the same time with no, yeah. like, yeah. And neither of those things, I, I think that's a good example. And I don't think it's a good example unless you like know a little bit about us and me. Like the, neither of those things are my thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in theory, my things are like 
so many other diverse things. Like, singing is not my primary thing. Like, it is not what I am known for. It is not, like... You didn't even intend to join a choir. Yes, yes. I didn't want to join a liturgical choir at BC because I was so tired of singing at Mass all the time. (laughs) Um, And I think going on to, like, another thing that we've talked about often is that's an expectation that we put on ourselves like that we should do all of these things and like to the heights and every like every single aspect and like it's a beautiful aspiration but it's also like overwhelming and then you're trying to like stack things on top of each other and you can't like Mm -hmm. actually see what the real goal is but I think the other side of the coin is when people see you able to like multitask and like juggle all of these different things they also have those high expectations of you. So it's like, if they have these high expectations and then I have these high expectations, like, why am I not meeting them? And then I think that, like, ends up creating Mm a mess. Yeah. Yeah. My mom says it all the time that, like, it's as if people just think that I'm, like, sitting around twiddling my thumbs waiting for them to come to me with a project because, (laughs) like, so many people just, like, like, they don't understand. And this happened in high school, but now I feel like it's definitely happening more with adults that they – they see, they have a need, like, for me, they have a, something that needs to be painted, right, Um, or, like, a church painting that needs to be restored, or whatever, and they, they know that I'm the person who can do it, but they don't realize that there's 50 other people in my life who also have that same, oh, I have this little project, and Olivia can do it, why don't we, like, pile it all on, so, like, the capable people in your life are, like, drowning under the weight of all of that, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm not sitting around waiting for projects to be dumped on me, but also at the same time, like, yes, dump your projects on, but don't like, let me say yeah. no. Like, like I want to, I don't know, like my interests change so often that like run it by me, but don't expect me to say yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, I think the like saying no thing becomes hard because you kind of like start to identify yourself as this person who can do everything and mm-hmm. like is the activist and like was valedictorian and like checks all the boxes and then people come to you with things and you're like and they expect you to say yes so you don't know how to say no to them without like breaking the image of this person mm-hmm. that you're supposed to be um an example of that is like last week i think i spoke at the digital youth advocacy symposium for the campaign for tobacco for kids um and I don't mean to like put this in their mouth. I don't think that they were like having too high expectations of me, but they wanted me to speak last week. And then they wanted me to speak like this upcoming week. Um, And I like put off responding to that request for like weeks because Mm -hmm. I felt that I like had to do it, but I like reasonably did not have time in my schedule to do that. Like I'm currently working like 40 hours a week at the grocery store like not the most exciting job in the world but it's still like my job and I was like taking a summer class and I just have all these other things going on but I was like I have to speak at the symposium because that's what I do like this is a part of it's like not even that it's necessarily like actually my responsibility but it's like this is what I do and so I have to find a way to do it which is kind of just like I think my own internalized like view of myself that I'm trying to figure out but I also think that there's I don't know I think it's both like I think it's we see ourselves that way but also other people see us that way and they're like oh this shouldn't be a problem 
even if they're like even if they are okay with you saying no it's like they don't even consider that it might create an issue for you Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and they don't see a reason why I think part of mm, I don't know part of my like looking back and I don't know what I would have done to change it because I feel like I'm 100% I know you agree like I'm 100% the person that I am because of the organizations that I worked for and such but I feel like there's such a power dynamic issue sometimes when you are like 14 and an organization comes to you and is like do you want to be a public speaker do you want to do this here's this opportunity um and like you're 14 of course you want to go to the UN of course you want to whatever like they have something that you want. So of course you're going to say yes. Um, And then you get so used to saying yes, that eventually when you don't need them anymore, it's hard to say no. Um, Yeah. I think that I like wrote this down here somewhere about like, like trying to find your like own individual identity, like in the midst of like working for an organization. Mm -hmm. Um, Like in my space, that looks like trying to work for multiple groups simultaneously and they all have very similar but somewhat different messages and you're trying to like figure out which version of the activist you're trying to be today but also like that sometimes you don't agree with every like detail of the message and sometimes like you have like a more nuanced opinion but you're trying to um like you're still trying to represent this group so you have to talk about it a certain way and do things a certain way and this was also related to what you were saying but I completely lost my train of thought um I think like oh about the like power dynamic I think that you like even when it isn't about like that you want the thing like do I want to go to DC like four times in a year yes that sounds super cool but also you think like I think sometimes you think that things can't happen without you because Mm -hmm. like they're like your voice is important like you matter in this conversation which is like a beautiful sentiment and it's like nice to like feel wanted and like feel important in that setting but then you feel like if you can't show up to that hearing and you can't show up to like x y and z you're like you're working like you're not supporting the cause as well as you could be like I can't say no because they need me in Washington like they need me in Cincinnati like they need me in Phoenix like I spent my entire senior year like flying across the country and I think I have such a mixed opinion on that because a that was an incredible experience I'd never left the east coast before my senior year just I I like barely left the northeast um So I think like getting to like see other parts of the country and getting to like meet new people and all of those things were beautiful experiences. And like also just like really cool things that other people have never done. Like I went to a board meeting for the Truth Initiative and I stayed in a five-star resort because that's where all of the like big shot lawyers and stuff Mm -hmm. were staying that weekend. Um, And like all those things are really cool and exciting. And like, how could you pass that up? But in the same vein, like, you're trying to like get ready for your SATs and you're trying to like be the like editor of your newspaper and like just be like a normal high school student um and it it's hard to like try to balance it out because you don't want to feel ungrateful like you've been given all these opportunities that no one else seems to have Mm -hmm. but then like you're also 
exhausted and not like sleeping and burning yourself yes. out and it, it's just such a balancing act that I feel like no which like maybe like maybe I'm wrong maybe there is someone who has it perfectly figured out but I feel like there's no like 16 17 14 year old girl that can like do it all and like perfectly manage everything and I don't know if you wanted to talk about this but there was we were having a conversation about how um, sometimes the people who are like supposed to be your mentors like see you as a peer and they like see you as this young professional and they're like oh they should like be able to like schedule and balance and figure all this out and it's like no you learned how to do that because you're in your 30s and yeah. like I'm 17 mm -hmm. and I don't know what I'm doing and I need you to help me. Yeah yeah I feel like all the time people forget that I have so many thoughts on this. People forget that you are a kid because you are so capable. Like there are just some kids that are very mature and very capable. And a lot of us, because of our passions and interests and whatever, we were thrown into this world that we, I mean, we wanted in on this world. So like, yes, it's our doing. So we like learned how to write emails professionally very early. We learned how to give speeches. We learned how to make websites like I've had my own personal website for way longer than like <laughs> anyone I know which it's also horribly outdated and definitely needs an update but that's a different <laughs> story um but anyway these mentors like the mentors and adults in our lives forget that we're a kid um and I feel like my mom has been one of my biggest advocates in that being like you are a kid <laughs> like be a kid um and I feel like in two ways that's affected me um one way like I made it to college and it wasn't until, I don't know, a few other mentors, a therapist in my life were like, you suck at communicating. And I'm like, wait, no, I don't suck at communicating. Like I taught myself how to write professional emails to the Jane Goodall, Good, Goodall Institute when I was like 13. Like I don't suck at communicating. <laughs> like I've given big shot speeches. No. Um, he's like, actually, yeah, you, you suck at communicating because you learned when you were like in eighth grade and didn't never grew. Um, which makes sense. Um, the other part of that is, um, it's very, very easy for, and I feel like if you take anything away from this, if you ever run into a type of kid or a kid who has any tendencies toward this, like, I don't know, don't let adults in their lives, like, take advantage of them. I, that is a wide, possibly euphemism, but, like, that you, you can categorize a lot of things into being taken advantage of. Um, but even just, like, people assume that they can do things, fix things, be there all the time. Um, they present as adults, so they, you feel like you can talk to them like they're an adult. Um, which in many ways you can, and like they do, like we associate with adults early on because that's people who can relate to us, people who can speak on our level and think on our level and stuff like that. Um, I don't know, I, I wrote down this example, which I feel like now that my high school has closed, I like, I can like freely, freely speak. Um, I actually was thinking, okay, this is, this comes full circle. Remember how I was like, oh, I should write a book. Like I have lots of ideas for books that I'll write one day. But then I was like, well, a lot of stuff went down at my high school. Not ashamed to say that. Not, not good things that went down. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if in like 10 or 20 years, if I catch up with like everyone who recently graduated from my high school 
and like figured out what went wrong and where they are now and like how things in their lives their mental health and such like can be traced back um to all of our education experience um which if you don't know what I'm talking about this this example will help you so there was a bomb placed in my high school my senior year um conveniently I was on the math team and we were having our math challenge that day which put us very close to said bomb but whatever <laughs> everyone got out bomb did not go off I don't even think the bomb was like fully assembled or something they never figured out who placed the bomb they had some suspicions and I the girls in tech person also president of the robotics team engineering club whatever like I was the computer science person so I'm in AP calculus BC, my favorite class ever. There were like five of us in there and there's a knock on the door and it's the vice principal <laughs> and she comes in. We had just gotten Chromebooks that year, which I absolutely hated and was in a constant war with administration because I had my own like MacBook or whatever and I would always bring it and I would always get in trouble. Um, but also like they would mostly yell at other people. That, that was, it was the double standard. Like Olivia could do no wrong, which honestly was annoying it was great. I got away with a lot in high school. Um, and by a lot, I mean, like, I don't know, using my laptop or, like, sneaking off yeah, to nothing, during study. Like, nothing interesting. Nothing <laughs> interesting. But, like, Olivia could do no wrong. And, like, my payback for that was, like, having to deal with situations like this. So the vice principal comes and barges into my math class of, like, five people. That's my favorite class. It's, like, one of the only classes that I ended up going to senior year, not because I skipped class, but because I was doing practically online school. That's a separate story though. <laughs> and she's like, can you come into the hallway? And she has the Chromebook of the person that they suspected put the bomb in the school. And she's like, he's cleared his search history. Can you hack into it for me? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, A, this is a job for the police. <laughs> This me. <laughs> I'm literally like, I'm in class with this kid next period. Like, what do you want me to do? And see, what do you mean by hack? Like, it's a stupid Chromebook. Like, you want me to take my Chromebook and hack into his Chromebook? Like, what what do you really mean here? Because I mean, I can I can do some white hat hacking, but like not on the spot with you watching with a Chromebook. Like, no. Um that I think is a prime example of like Oh my goodness, just... I have no comparable situation to that. I, like, I didn't know what the story was going to be, and I, like, thought maybe I'd have, like, some relatable moment, but it, you you win that round. I have no idea what to say in response to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. Um, maybe because, like, my activism skills are less exciting, and it's just that, like, I'm really good at, like, writing op-eds and yelling at senators. <laughs> maybe you can be the New York Times bestseller. Maybe you can co-write the book with me. <laughs> oh, we could definitely write a book together. That's oh yes, yeah, that's the dream. Yeah, <laughs> uh -huh. write a book about this. This podcast is future, mm -hmm. future book. Yes, yes, in the making. Expand upon it. Um, I have another silly adult story. Um, that isn't as okay. silly, and like, I don't know, I, I don't know where this fits into anything, but it does. <laughs> Um, it made me really, really mad at the time, but I wasn't sure why I was so mad. Basically, there was someone who was doing research on, um, uh, us, <laughs> teen activists and, like, youth 
advocates and whatever. Um, and she was taking different people. At first, I was super honored. And that, that I think, is where you can get our type of people very easily, regardless of age or ability or whatever, by, like, spinning it into, oh, my goodness, you're doing a good thing for humanity. Like, you say that I'm going to help people and I'm there. Like, (laughs) (laughs) problem number one. So, it was this researcher. I feel like she was at Harvard. Definitely, I think doctoral, doctoral student, I think, maybe master's, not quite sure. I think in education, but also don't remember. This was a long time ago. Um, but she had reached out to me and my mom, and she was gathering a pool of youth activists. And the people that I was paired with, like in this group, I did not feel like I belonged in this group. So, but it also was flattering. So I was like, huh, maybe, maybe I do belong here. Like the other people, I, f- I forget all their names. This is terrible. But like one of the guys, there was a guy who created like an ocean trash compactor situation for the great ocean garbage patch off of California. He like, I remember reading like magazine articles about him like four or five years ago. Um, have you ever read the book or seen the movie, The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind? No. no. There's this kid in Malawi who created a wind turbine out of, um, trash to like power his village or something like that and he only figured out how to do it by like reading books um but like these people who are like one step down from like Malala like people who are like big name youth activists um and she had gathered up a group of us and she wanted to do research and dig into our families interview us interview our mentors and basically like drill down and find what makes teen activists different and like makes us who we are um and like I remember being really annoyed and just kind of like I don't want to do this from the very beginning and she was communicating with my mom and in the end I don't really remember what happened but in the end I was I ended up canceling and being like I don't want to do this anymore um just because I feel like she was getting it wrong and also I feel like she was getting into something that she didn't understand which I mean maybe she did but like I don't know there's too much there's so much from the outside, when we talk about teen activism, it's like, oh my goodness, look at these kids with a good, kind heart who are, like, going out into the world to do good in ways that they're interested in, and, like, that is a very over, like, oversimplified, um, yeah, like, there's just so and I much, feel like, yeah, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but, like, I feel like that's where it starts. And, like, I don't mean to, like, paint either of us as, like, bad people with, like, bad motivations, but I feel like a lot of the time it gets, like, twisted, and it's, like, you were, like, just doing this thing in your hometown, or you were, like, working on this one project, and now it's, like, well, I'm on this council, and I'm on this board, and I'm winning this award, and I'm doing this thing, and I'm, like, in 12 newspaper articles, and, like, like, it starts to become, like, the brand of, like, yourself as an activist, unless like about like I just want to go to a like local board of health hearing and yell about tobacco for 45 minutes like you lose that like initial thing that drew you in and that like I want to do the thing to make the world better and now it's like I have to do the thing to support the organization that's trying to make the world better and you feel like you have less of a personal impact yeah yeah I might be putting words in your mouth there but that's how I feel personally yeah I totally agree and I actually I, I wrote something down in our notes I feel like it's kind of like a 
oh dang it this is I haven't taken a math class in like four years what's a bell curve there we go okay (laughs) right bell curve yeah 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 (laughs) so like at the beginning of the bell curve is when you're in your local hometown like on the ground doing things and you like fall in love with the act of serving you see a problem you feel maybe slightly overwhelmed by the problem but you feel like you can do something to help the problem and then you start getting involved in like bigger scale activism and like at the peak of it you are like you are spending more time flying around the country and writing things and talking to people and not being on the ground that you kind of forget you loved being on the ground and yeah lose touch with that because you're too high high up in whatever organization or like yeah you are commanding the people who are on the ground. Maybe you're inspiring the people who are on the ground, but you lose the thing that you started to fall in love with. Um, okay, I have such a perfect story for this yes. like theory that you're having, mm-hmm. is that last summer, um, there was a hearing at the State House for the flavor ban bill um, yeah. on flavored tobacco. It was like in committee, and a bunch of people from like my high school were going, and all these other teen activists I'd worked with in tobacco were going. And I couldn't go because I was flying to Cincinnati to like speak to a group of youth activists about like how to do activism essentially, which I think like trying to mentor other young people as a young person is like complicated in its own right. But I remember like being on the plane like to Cincinnati, like being so upset and I felt like guilty that I was upset because it's like you were flying to Cincinnati for free. Like, why are you angry right now? But, like, I wanted to be at that hearing so badly. Like, I would fought for, like, similar legislation. And, like, my, like, my state senator was sponsoring the bill. And, like, I'd been in, like, personal contact with his office. And, like, that's the, like, on-the-ground work that I'd done. And, like, I just wanted that back. I was, like, can I just, like, quit everything else and, like, be me again? Like, can I, like, not have a single title and like not work for a single organization and just like show up to the hearings and like show up in the offices and like do that thing that I loved doing in the beginning Mm -hmm. because um I don't know if I want to say this as like I guess I'll just say it the way that I say it um this winter I started to get like fed up with like the way that my life was like consumed by working for these organizations and like I was really overwhelmed because I was trying to navigate like freshman year of college with like I still worked for Truth and Tobacco Free Kids by the time December rolled around and I had to fly back and forth to DC twice within like a week um and I got back to campus and I remember like talking to my friends and I was like I just want to kill teen activist Sarah like I want to kill her and Mm -hmm. like she's me like I can't like separate like this existence of myself because it like is like so distinctly like a part of me Mm -hmm. but I hated that I felt like I'd become like a brand or like a spokesperson or like that I had all these rehearsed talking points like I just wanted to like peel back all of those layers and like go back to just like being like the individual person that had more of a like pure passion for the cause Mm. yes yes that's my rant about that (laughs) no I agree and I feel like yeah yeah I feel like that even mirrors kind of my like (laughs) how many times I've changed my major like I was (laughs) like oh I want to be like a physics and theology like theology has always stayed but it's been my second major like oh I want to like be like a physics major so I can like engineer and I can like help people through the environment 
but then like the physics people just didn't really care about helping people as much as I wanted them to so I was like oh I'll be like environmental science and then like kind of the same thing they just didn't really care about helping people as much um so then I was like oh journalism can be my thing but then I was so mad and so frustrated I took an amazing investigative journalism class first semester this year but I ended up reporting on the engagement center which is the homeless shelter that I go to with Father Sunisha but like I remember being so mad literally like stuck on the sidelines watching things happen at the engagement center and reporting on them and just being like I want to dive in like I don't want to be the act the activist or the journalist or the one making change from afar like I want to be sitting there with them again like yeah this is really annoying um so I think that's why I've kind of settled on social work because I don't I don't want to sit on the sidelines and report and talk about it again um, and I think that's the other end of the bell curve. It's me coming down and being like, oh my goodness, I just like want to go to Haiti. I just want to like sit with homeless people. I just want to, I want to do the things that made me first fall in love. Um, and I think that the researcher that I was talking about hit me at the wrong point in the bell curve that I was so unhappy being at that height of the bell curve. And like, it had just kind of snowballed out of place. And also like, she was coming at it, I think with or maybe she wasn't. I feel like maybe I didn't give her enough of a chance, but I feel like it wasn't the right time nor the right fit. Um, but she was coming at it from me like, oh my goodness, you're doing such good things for the world. Tell me about how everything went right so that other people can like, and she wanted to talk to my, my teachers and stuff too, so that like people could design curriculum to create people like me. And I'm like, oh God, don't <laughs> do that. Like, it might be like, oh my goodness, she has such a kind heart, but like, you know how many awful things have shaped this heart? Like, I don't know, like there, even within activism, like there's, I feel like it all very much stems, like if you drill down like a, an ache in your heart for like all of the things that are wrong in the world. Um, and I feel like I'm very much one of those people and I've always felt very close to Dr. Jane Goodall in this and she expresses it all the time of how like, I don't know, you feel so overwhelmed by all of the bad in the world and all of the wrong and all of the evil um, and sometimes you just don't know what to do with all of it. Um, and I feel like the type of people who want to make change are the people who are so deeply hurt and so, f like, they feel it and are so, like, fiery and, like, I don't know. Um, but even, I feel like, I feel like maybe that researcher got in touch with me, I think maybe after the first time I went to Haiti, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, but, like, we saw some pretty awful things in Haiti, like, being, I don't know, we visited a Haitian prison a few times, and that prison is literally the closest place to hell on earth I think I've ever seen. Like, absolutely horrific, probably a traumatic experience for all of us who went there, but I don't even want to think about that because of the traumatic experience of the people who live there and can't leave and come home. Um, yeah, yeah, but like, I don't want to talk about touchy-feely, nice, like, oh my goodness, you're doing so much good for the world. Like, no, I am fueled by those images of those starving Haitian men sleeping on top of each other, like, etched into my brain all the time. Like, it's not a pretty, it's, yeah. it's not pretty. And, like, I don't, I don't think I have, like, as jarring of an example for, like, the activism that I've done, but like, I always, like, joke that I want to, like, yell at hearings and, like, mm -hmm. about, like, how when I was speaking to the, like, other young people last week, I tried to be as candid as possible, and I was, like, this whole thing stems from how angry I am, because, like, there's, like, a lot of, like, debate of, like, work that is 
to like make other people's decisions for them and like people can like have their like bad habits and all these things because like I work in like tobacco work um but it's like the like amount of people in my family that have died from using these products the amount of like young people that will die from using these products like rage that like I have for like the like industries that like cycle through like there's this industry that like target our parents and our grandparents generation being replaced by a new industry replacing other young people and like people are like why do you care about this I'm like because there's 12 year olds telling me that every single one of their friends is addicted to nicotine well I can't just like not be mad about that and that like in no way is like as horrific as like sitting in a Haitian prison but I think that like I think that like if it doesn't like fill you with like at least like a like Mm. I think like a lot of activism is just angry like I think that like I think that it's like love and anger like I think it's like you have all this like love for people and you want the best for people and also you are like so like inexplicably like mad about the way that like this like world is and like how corrupt systems are and all those things Mm. but the flip side of that um is that some people like work in the same world that we've worked in that aren't fueled by like anger and passion and love and like it should be like mostly the love part but sometimes the anger is a little stronger Um, and there's a lot of people that are like it's like a status thing I think and they're trying to like get all of these awards and like win all of the things and I don't I had like a connection back to something you were saying earlier but this conversation has gone in 12 different directions um and I think like of the like misinterpretation of like the things that like you've done or like what you're capable of or what your life actually looks like is resonates with me in the sense of like other activists that I've worked with because like the further I like climbed up the ladder and like the more I like seemed like accomplished to like the outside world the more people would try to like cash in on that Mm. um I remember my senior year I met this guy and I'm not gonna name names or anything but there was this guy who had reached out to me and he's like I'm so like inspired by all this work that you're doing like I'm really new to this movement but I want to make an impact like can you help me Oh, it's earlier when you were saying that you were honored by what the researcher was saying. Like, I was so honored to have this, like, mm-hmm. random stranger reach out to me and be like, can you help me do more good? I was like, yes, of course I'll help you do more good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just became so apparent so quickly that, like, it wasn't about doing more good. It was about, like, having the 12 articles published in the newspaper and, like, yep. being on, like, the yeah. local news and, like, having all those things happen and not about, like, Mm-hmm. whether or not we we're gonna be like hopefully saving people's lives um and I like got I felt iffy about it in the beginning like I feel like I usually have like a good gut reaction to people and I'm like this doesn't feel right um mm-hmm. but I remember once he just like kind of the last straw actually was when he asked me if I could put him in touch with the surgeon general mm-hmm. um because I for like the podcast listeners I spoke at the surgeon general's press conference where he declared e-cigarette use an epidemic which is like one of the greatest honors I've ever had and was kind of random like 
a week before it was happening, I got a call from someone in DC and they were like, can you fly down? And I was like, I guess so. <laughs> but it all happened really last minute and it was really cool and exciting. And I loved every second of it. And the Surgeon General is now a more popular figure in the world that we're living in. But he's just like super charismatic and friendly and funny. And I loved him. But I never spoke to him again because that was like a one and done like random yeah. moment. And the minute that this guy realized that I didn't personally know the Surgeon General and I couldn't like get in touch with his office at the drop of the hat, he disappeared from my life. Mm. Like he was no longer interested. Um, and that, for lack of a better word, like that hurt. Like I think it hurts to um, have like all of these things associated with you and like people care more about like those things on your resume than like you as an individual person yes um and what they can get from it what they can gain from it yeah and I know that ties back to like the thing my mom says like that like people are just like they think that you're sitting around waiting for them to like reach out to you and give you something to do like I don't know I get so many I probably get at least once a day a message from social media or my website or something like that. I mean, I get more than once a day, but usually they're spam, but <laughs> that's a separate thing. But like having public social media and having your contact information online and even the podcast, um, it's just, that's a whole other conversation of creepy stalking, whatever. I know that my family oh, yeah. gets a lot of criticism for like letting me have, letting me have like a public social media presence. And I feel like my mom's answer is always like, she cannot be contained like this is <laughs> this is her life and like I don't know strong-willed is definitely an adjective um I don't know I feel like I was going somewhere with that but I forget where I was going I think we were talking about being used and like people expecting things from us yeah um, yeah probably, like oh, maybe and, about the pe people oh, that reach out to you constantly yeah yeah um yeah and I was also I was eventually going to get somewhere with talking about awards and stuff and how like a lot of the ways that you get into activism at first are through like essay competitions or science mm. fairs or you know what I mean like that sort of different like service awards and stuff like that um and it's such a tricky messy we've talked about it but like I don't know at first like that's your way in so like yeah. also like there's a lot of scholarships and stuff um, but then there becomes a point where, like, you are kind of motivated by the awards and, like, the award ceremonies and the people you get to meet and, like, I don't know, cool stuff and whatever, but, and then, 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 I don't know, then I you think, realize that you're spending all your time, like, writing essays and not actually doing what you want, which I think is at the top of the bell curve before you're, like, this is stupid, <laughs> stupid, there are more trophies in my room than, like, <laughs> I've been wanting to go through I don't know. I was thinking I might make it into a YouTube video, like go through my like trophy and award collection and then get oh, the ones that are just not. I'll keep the most important ones, but like some of them need to go. So I do not have nearly as many awards as you have. Um, but I I was the 2019 very year, which is in a year through the campaign for tobacco free kids. Um, and everything about that award is so complicated for me mm -hmm. and I would 
start out by saying that that award ceremony was one of the coolest days of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Barry Fisk, um, may she rest in peace. She's, uh, she passed away, but she's a beautiful woman. Um, like winning an award, like asked, like named after her was like so inspiring and empowering. And like all of the people who like supported me, like when I won was like, it was like a beautiful, beautiful day. Um, but like applying for that award was how I got involved with the campaign. Like I actually applied for that award my junior year of high school because I wanted to work for the campaign for the for free kids. And that was the only way I knew of, of how people got on their youth ambassador council. Like I knew that the like people who didn't win the award, but like had interesting stories and things were chosen to be on that council. Hmm. And I think there's other ways that you can get on, but that was the like clearest path that I knew of. And like, I didn't want the award at all. But I sat around and I wrote 10 essays and I recorded a video and I did all these things just to like get on the council. Um, And I think that's like a weird process, like when the like award itself is your way in the door. Yeah. And then when the award is so, I don't want to say glorified because like I do think that it like represents something really powerful, but I feel like like winning that award is kind of like the crown jewel of tobacco control activism. Like when you're like a young like kid, like working for your state coalition, like you watch the videos of those award winners every year and you're like inspired by those people. And that's really powerful. But then when that becomes the goal and you win and you like reach the top, you're like, what am I supposed to do now? Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't about the award in the beginning, but then the award, started to take hold and then once you're so focused on the award you don't know what to do after if that makes sense Mm -hmm. like you build your way up and up and up and up this curve like when you start sliding back down like are you falling back down to the place where your like heart lies and you're like passionate about the activism or do you just fall so far down that you're just over it and you want to like kill your teen activist self and you want to like get like rip it all away and like stop doing it because it took way too much to get there and you don't want to do it anymore um and that's kind of in the where the kind of the place I'm in now not so much that I'm like over activism but like I was in that like I had to sit in that for a minute mm-hmm. and be like is this still who I am is this still where my passions lie is this what I want to do And I think like two things happened there. The first is that I decided that I didn't have to be a political science major just because I'd worked in politics for five years. Um, And that I'm also applied psych. Me and Liv are in the School of Education together. She's gonna be a social worker. I'm not 100% sure yet. Um, But I, yeah, it was A, that like I didn't have to like define my entire life around this thing that I did in high school, even if this thing that I did in high school was really cool um and important and I loved it and then the other side of that was like I didn't have to like sorry I I can't form a complete thought (laughs) the other side of that was that I didn't have to completely destroy every part of myself that was associated with activism to change the things that I was doing like I'm starting to look into the types of activism I can do in the realm of mental health 
um, being something that's much more personal and I'm more passionate about. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to see like how I can shift the like tools and skills I've learned in one space into another. And also how I can take all of these experiences I've had positive and negative to be like more effective as an activist because I think like I don't know I think a lot of this conversation has been like where it all went wrong and like all of the like ways everything fell apart but like once you know where it all went wrong you can try to like avoid that in the future Mm -hmm. you can try to avoid the climbing up the stairs to different positions and like having a hard time communicating with people and ending up just like burning out or being overwhelmed or all of the fun things that come with all of that and I don't pretend to like now I know I'll be the perfect activist and nothing will go wrong but I think that like I mean with a less eloquent way of saying it like that's just life like you have all of these like messy times with good and bad and convoluted and sometimes being taken advantage of sometimes being given way too much credit um and like all of that mess is just like the way that life works sometimes and our lives have looked a lot different than some of our friends lives just being that this is the world we know but I don't think that our experiences are like completely unique I think that like this is definitely like a type of person or like a type of experience that you can have and it's not like we're the only two people in the world who have like had this experience Mm -hmm. yeah I agree yeah and there's so much freedom and like knowing that like there are lots of other people like this and like the only thing that is different is that we're doing a lot of these things earlier which I was kind of thinking that like this is a weird phenomena and this is a this is a peek into Olivia's head um <laughs> that I'm not always proud about but like they I don't know there's so much emphasis and like when when people like praise teen activists for whatever or like oh like she got a patent when she was 14 like it's impressive because you were 14 so I feel like I've always dreaded my birthday and like the number getting bigger because I know that like the thing <laughs> the face you're making, I know you agree, right? Like Yes. When you <laughs> like too much. Yeah, yeah. Like Keep going. Keep it's going. less impressive the older you are. So you feel like you're like worthless when you're older. Mm-hmm. Um, which is way too deep and we don't need to get in there. But I feel like it's so freeing to be able to like what you said, like this is a cool thing that happened for like this period of time in my life. I don't need to completely throw it away and I don't need to like completely embrace it either. Like it is a thing that happened. I'm grateful that it happened and now I am free to do whatever I want. Like, yeah, it's going to shape and inform everything else. Um, and I also, this, I, I just put something down in our notes that like, isn't quite related to everything else, but, um, I'm working at a camp this summer and my position has changed because camps have changed during coronavirus and it's much less, it was more of a marine science teaching position and now it's more of a camp counselor position. And like, I love it because it is so far detached from like anything. I mean, yes, it does have a tinge of like environmental science and like it, it is a nonprofit and it still has that like vibe to it as like that that's why I was that's why I applied for the job. <laughs> like I get to like run around and be a kid and like 
nobody knows who I am. Very few people know that I have a podcast or that I had a TV show or that I whatever, like the only, like about as far as we get is like, they ask how old I am and they're like, wait, but you're going to be a junior in college. Why, why are you so young? <laughs> And I'm like, ah, that's a story. Like, I, I skip. The fact that you're younger than me is its whole other, like, <laughs> the whole other thing. Um, but like, other than that, people don't like. And like, I'm almost twenty. Like, I don't, which is scary. But like, they don't. I don't know. They don't need to know the. I had a TV show when I was fifteen. The I had a whatever when I was whenever. Like that. It's so freeing to be able to run around and just, like, be a kid again when I kind of feel like I lost a little bit of my childhood for the past few years, um, which is a sad thing to say out loud, um, but is very true. But I don't know. It is okay. so freeing to be able to, like, tuck it away and be like, I'm going to embrace being older now. Yeah. I have two thoughts about Go what you just it. said. The first was, like, thankfully the podcast viewers cannot see the faces that I'm making over <laughs> here because I was, like, very much trying to hold in my, like, screaming yes 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 when you were yes. talking about yep. um the age thing mm -hmm. because there's something about being like a youth advocate like you are a youth advocate like you are 14 15 like you're doing all these things and that is what makes it impressive is that you're like so young like people care like the older you get the less people care about it mm -hmm. um, which like again like it shouldn't really be about like people's reactions to it mm -hmm. but like it very much gets twisted up when like this is the world you're living in for so yeah. long like it it feels nice for people to be impressed by you and like mm -hmm. think that you're cool um especially when you're like us and you were kind of like nerdy and dorky mm -hmm. and maybe not the most popular person in the world <laughs> at least the adults think that you're cool um, <laughs> but um like I remember like being I was a truth ambassador my senior year of high school and like I was the only high school student on the truth ambassador council mm. and like that was cool to me like I'm the youngest person in the room a I shouldn't have been there I like did not have a life that was like suited to doing that job because like other people had time to be working on these giant projects where like I was just trying to like be a student and live my life um, <laughs> but the other side of that was like people were more impressed by me being there by like than by like the 24 year old girl who was just like new to like her career and like starting out mm -hmm. like she was still cool but like it was cooler that like I was the youngest person in the room and that like feels nice but then you're right you do like get into that cycle of like I have to do all of this before I'm too old to do all mm -hmm. of this anymore because no one it's not going to matter to anyone when you're older yeah um yeah yeah like I'm on like, I'm a non-voting member of the board of directors for Tobacco Free Kids, which, like, I mean, I guess would be cool in and of, in and of itself, but, like, it's mostly just cool because I'm 19 years old and I'm a freshman mm -hmm. in college. Like, for the people that are on that board, they're just, like, working professionals living their lives, and that's, like, another point on their resume. Mm -hmm. Like, it just, like, there's such a, like, added layer to everything when you're younger. And then to the other thing that you just said about losing um, being a kid mm -hmm. to like this and to other things potentially. Um, yeah, I feel like, which I've like touched on a bunch of times as we've been talking about like there's so much give and take mm -hmm. in like working for nonprofits and like doing the activism. It's like 
yeah, I flew to DC twice in one week, but also like didn't get to study for my calculus final. And it's like, yeah, I flew to like Los Angeles, like in the middle of May, but also I had to like give a presentation in front of my class the next day. And like, I was running on three hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. And like the le- the non-school related versions of like all of your friends are like mm-hmm. at the mall hanging out and yeah. like you're running around the Capitol building which is like objectively cooler that you're running around the Capitol building but you missed all of the inside yeah. jokes that they made up while you weren't there mm-hmm. yeah or like we didn't get to date a lot or at all um, yeah that I fully gave up on anything yeah. remotely romantic to be valedictorian and yeah uh, an award-winning activist yeah <laughs> yep which mm. <laughs> there are many thoughts there um so, on your topic of like, like oh I was gonna say that like I I just remember this and I can't I I think it was probably talking about Malala earlier that sparked it but like I remember like trying to think of I think Malala was um she was gonna she was the youngest person to get the Nobel Peace Prize at the time um though that I imagine that that will be um changed up by Greta soon Um, I would see that yeah yeah, but I think she was either 15 or 16 when she won it, and I remember being, like, 13 or 14 and being, like, oh my goodness, what can I, like, I need to come up with something soon because I'm not going to be the youngest person to win the Nobel Peace Prize, and, like, A, okay, messed up thought. How on earth did I get there? <laughs> but it's completely understandable that I got there given, like, the environment and circles that I was running in, and also, like, I don't know, like, if you win the Nobel Peace Prize and you're, like, 90, like, that is so cool. Like, why did I need to be the youngest person to win the Nobel Peace Prize? Like, and also, separate tangent, why on earth do I care if I win the Nobel Peace Prize? (laughs) I guarantee you that none of the other people who won the Nobel Peace Prize cared that, like, no one goes into something thinking that they're going to win the Nobel Peace Prize. And I think that's definitely what I've, like, that was the messed up circle of, like, the top of the bell curve. But at either end of the bell curve, definitely did not care and do not care about winning the Nobel Peace Prize. Like, if anything, like, no awards. Like, I just, just let me, like, sit with the kids in Haiti and let me hold them. <laughs> let me, like, hang out at the engagement center. Like, keep your trophies. They're made of plastic anyway. Like, <laughs> plastic for <laughs> the environment. Yeah. A funny thought about that is when you were, like, at the top of the bell curve is, like, the height of that. For me, I feel like I was at the top of the bell curve, but I was already starting to slide back down. Like, it's it's kind of confusing to try to, like, explain the emotional, like, state that I was in, but, like, the day of the Youth Advocate Gala, like, when I won the Barry Fisk Award, it was simultaneously, like, so cool to be honored in that light, and, like, also I was over it. Like, (laughs) it was simultaneously, like, wow, I'm meeting all these cool people, and people liked my speech, and I'm meeting, like, the award winner from five years ago, and, like, this is really cool, but also, like, did I really just fly to D.C. to, like, get this, mine was made of glass, but, like, to get this hunk of glass and, like, take it home with me and put it on my shelf somewhere, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, I think that's, like, another avenue it can take is, like, sometimes it like it starts to get twisted and it starts to become about the award and then you win the award and you realize like it was not worth it at all Mm -hmm. which I think is something maybe we can relate on with the valedictorian thing Mm -hmm. it's like you spend years and years and years like trying to be first in your class and you want to be the class speaker and you want to do all these things and then it just doesn't matter in the end like I I only 
bring up the fact that I'm I was valedictorian when I'm like making fun of myself for all the time that I wasted trying to be valedictorian yeah yeah for sure um I think though that I was thinking as you're talking I think the difference I think evidence that you were already sliding down the bell curve and I think what makes people maybe makes like us and people who do these things a little bit different than the people who are like watching you on social media and being like oh my goodness that's so cool I want to do that like I want to win the Nobel Peace Prize like what I was saying which is ridiculous but whatever (laughs) um like they're seeing like oh my goodness look at that hunk of glass um which I don't think I I think all of my glass ones are technically plastic so Um, maybe it is technically plastic but it feels like glass Um, they look pretty in pictures but like they're like oh my goodness you got to like walk a red carpet you got to like look at the pretty dress that you wore look at the whatever the the thing like the glamour of it or whatever versus like what you said like I got to meet this person I got to like meet the award winner from five years ago I got to like all of these what's in it for us is not always what people think is like I don't know you know what I mean? the other side of that is like what's in it for us at that point what versus what was in it for us two years ago versus what was in it for us five years ago yeah. like I think actually potentially the worst point isn't even the top of the bell curve it's like I think it's funny that we're like using this metaphor mm-hmm. that you just came up with yeah. um or maybe you didn't just come up with it no, but in my I head just you came just up with it, it. Oh, okay cool um <laughs> like in this like bell curve theory that we're mm-hmm. like building on as we go like I think the worst part is like as you're starting the incline because yeah. as you're starting the incline is where you start to be like I want to win the Nobel Peace Prize I want to win the Yaya award I want to do this I want to do that and then you get to the top and you've done that and then you yeah. you're like why did I spend so much time on the incline yeah. and I feel like the decline goes so much faster and sometimes it goes steeper and you end up further down than you started and then you have to build yourself back up again yes. but like I think that like coming down from that happens so much faster than the build-up because you build it up in your head as so mm-hmm. much and then you realize that none of it mattered yes or like it did matter but it mattered for completely different reasons than you thought it would yeah yeah And I think for me, like, struggling as someone who, like, feels so overwhelmed by, like, all the negativity and, like, ah, the world is still so broken. Like, look at how hard, like, I climbed this mountain so hard, like, whatever, and I'm at the top. I, like, have all of these hunks of glass around me. I have a whole, like, TV wardrobe and then real wardrobe. I have so (laughs) many, like, blazers and suits more than anything. Oh, I love my blazers. (laughs) find fit anymore thank god like they're they're getting poshmarked they're out of here um see ya like um so like you you did the things and then you're at the top and the world is still so so broken and that is a very hopeless feeling which I think I I wrote down in our notes and we briefly talked about before this um and I think that ties into my Harvard mentality that I wish that was more acceptable and I wish for myself I wish that I could be more open about how that has affected our mental health which is a whole nother episode topic and we do not have time for that because I think we've been talking for like an hour so (laughs) but I'll share my Harvard analogy quickly that I was sharing earlier um but basically when I I'm stubborn and I think that is a quality that people like us must have um you must be 
a lot stubborn. Um, oh, very, very stubborn. <laughs> um, I was very stubborn when I was applying to colleges. Everyone's like, oh my goodness, Olivia's going to go to Harvard. She's valedictorian. Uh, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to Harvard. Or, you know what, actually, I like Princeton better than Harvard because I had done research at Princeton. And, oh my goodness, I had a paper published through a lab at Princeton before I even graduated high school. Whatever. Nah, I don't care now. <laughs> though I have to say there was a section on my school social work application that said like papers published previously um and I was like huh I do I have one the year on it like I think I was like 15 which is scary but here have it anyway um I don't think this will help because it's written like a 15 year old or 15 year old Olivia um where was I going with that oh the Harvard analogy <laughs> a lot of tangents. Um, I love you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, like, I, everyone around me, like, in order to get into Harvard, like, you take so many SAT prep courses, you, like, do things just for your resume, you have to be this perfect, well-rounded student, you have to play a sport, you have to do this, you have to, like, get these high scores, and basically, I was, like, there are things that I love doing, and there are things that I'm good at, and I would so much rather be working with the homeless than retaking the SAT every Saturday to get a high enough score. So if Harvard doesn't, if if I have to fit myself into a mold and make me someone who I am not, like, I don't want to be at Harvard. Like, if I have to yeah. contort myself to fit into, to get accepted, then why on earth do I want to go to school there? Because if I have to, like, fake it to... <laughs> to get in, then I'm going to have to fake it for the next four years. And that's just stupid, which also this ties into activism because there's so much of like putting yourself out there and like stuff on the internet never dies. Like you're always thinking like, I don't want to hurt my future job, my future reputation. I don't want to, I don't want to crack. I don't want to take this mask off because I need to be perfect for my future employers to see everything I did when I was 14 online. Um, (laughs) yes um the faces we're making um are great um and I think that ties in so much to like mental health and stuff like that which I've had a recent like realization especially like I feel like on one hand I'm always like oh my goodness you need to be like so open and vulnerable and like share with your mental health like destigmatize whatever and then I'm like oh my goodness I run a podcast and I have huge mental health concerns and I don't bring the two together like oh my goodness I'm so hypocritical which also there's something to be said for guarding your heart and you know what I mean like some things are meant for you and for people who know you in person etc um but like it the reasons that I do not share should not be that I am concerned about what my future employer is going to think of me and let's use Catholic TV as an example because I already work there. So <laughs> it does not matter. And they love me unconditionally and I love them unconditionally. Um, but if they, like, if I were to be candid somewhere else about and vulnerable about my mental health concerns and Catholic TV was like, ew, I don't, I don't want to hire someone with PTSD. You know what I mean? Like, why on earth would I want to work at Catholic TV who doesn't love me with my PTSD because even if they don't know it then I'm still going to be there you know what I mean why would I want that like if the employer doesn't want me based on something that is embedded in me then why do I want them um which I'm very grateful that Catholic TV loves me no matter what and that was just an example but um yeah that that's my Harvard theory that like you have nothing to lose like I don't know it that's probably there's a lot of privilege embedded in that because sometimes you have to like put on the mask to get the job because you need the job or you need that college to take you or whatever. Um, 
I don't know, but like part of me is like, life's too short. Like, I don't want to, no more masks. I am done with the masks. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a statement to be said in the current life that we're living, but oh we need a metaphorical mask. <laughs> yes, I know. Like, um, prodigal Son by, um, I don't know, the author, whatever. Continue. <laughs> Return of the Prodigal Son. Good book. Um, like, I feel like everything that you've said, I've had two thoughts on, but I also have two thoughts on this. Um, the first is that, as we had in, like, a previous conversation, I, I, like, have a very relatable experience on the Harvard front, not so much about, like, retaking tests and, like, trying to conform, but that, like, and I think part of it was just that I was so tired and, like, beaten down that I was, like, you know what, if you don't want me, I don't care, mm -hmm. but when I was getting into colleges, like, half the schools that like the letters came in it was a waitlist like Georgetown waitlist American waitlist George Washington waitlist like every single school just seemed to be waitlisting me and I decided not to like when you get into college you have to like apply to like stay on the waitlist or like fill out a form and I just didn't fill out any of those forms and people were like why you could like you were like almost good enough for Georgetown I'm like yeah I was almost good yeah but if I wasn't good enough the first time around like why am I trying to get in still like why am I sending them more things and trying to be like please want me please want me when I could just go to BC and they already want me um, yeah the other thing about being candid with mental health things is that this is a conversation for another time part three of Sarah on the podcast um but <laughs> I I often talk about like that I am like a list giver like when I talk about my mental health I will tell you that like I've dealt with xyz and like this has happened but I have a hard time like being really like authentic and vulnerable about what that means and how that's affected me and I think in the advocacy space it took like a really weird turn where I was trying to be open with other young people like in that like mentoring like peer space of like I struggle with really bad anxiety and panic attacks and all of this stuff, but I try not to let that get in the way of the activism I'm doing, um, which I think like the core message of that is good. But what I ended up saying was things like, you uh, learn to use your voice even if it shakes or like nobody cares if your face is red and like you're stuttering and like all these things, like all of the external like don't worry what people think about that, which is very much true, but also like, maybe you should worry a little bit about how that's affecting you. Like maybe if I am not sleeping more than three hours a night and like doing all of these speaking events has me like so like beaten and worn down, like maybe I should be guarding my heart a little more and maybe I should be like paying attention to like what my limits are and where my boundaries should be. And I think I, it's funny because I thought that I was being really authentic and vulnerable. I was like, I don't have a mask. Like mm -hmm. I'm really open about what I'm dealing with, but I did have a mask because I was like, yeah, I deal with this, but it doesn't impact me. Like I, I deal with this, but it like, it doesn't matter. Like I'm fine. Everything's fine. Mm -hmm. um, which I think like fed into a fal false narrative about like for myself. And I think was me being afraid that these groups I work with wouldn't want me if they knew the truth about what this looked like for me and like the worst part of it is that I like really truly hope that like other people didn't get that message that they didn't get the message that they should just like push it down and like 
do, do it. it anyway. Um, because that has made a really big mess in my life and it would truly, truly break my heart if that, that I, um, contributed to that happening for other people. Um, so that will be my, um, message of the day, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, like if you're struggling with these kinds of things to like, listen to like, listen to yourself really. And like, let, let yourself put up those walls and those boundaries and like say no to things and like give yourself time to rest and don't say well I have to do it anyway Mm -hmm. um because I think like I thought it was I don't know what I thought it was like I think that like I got this like idea in my head that it was somewhat inspirational that like I could do all of the things Mm -hmm. and like I objectively could do all of the things but should I have done all of the things (laughs) yeah and I don't have a very, like, eloquent way to end that thought, but it's, like, something that I think about constantly is just, like, the way that I've tried to, like, fit myself into the mold of a perfect mm-hmm. activist while simultaneously saying that you don't have to fit yourself into the mold yeah. um, and just yeah. contradicting myself in all sorts of fun ways. Yeah, it's almost like, is it, like, talking the talk but not walking the walk? Like, yeah, I think about that a lot with the podcast and, like, I don't know. Like, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, and I don't know, there have been times where seasons of the podcast have just kind of, like, ended abruptly and kind of mysteriously, and, like, um, I don't know, it it makes me wonder, like, I'm like, oh, take care of your mental health, don't do too much, don't take too much on, like, here are all your things, but then meanwhile, like, I'm burning the candle at both ends, and, like, how much more, this this thought also has two parts, like, how much more, like, of a change-making statement would it be for me to say, oh, the podcast is taking a week off or a month off or two months off because I need a mental health break because I have too much going on. And like saying that out loud and like how many other people would feel like they now have permission to do that in their own lives too, rather than me just being like, oh, the pod, I got busy with finals. Like the podcast (laughs) will be back soon. (laughs) Or like just pushing it through and putting out mediocre content because I feel like I have to get it all done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Is something, I can't remember if we, hmm, I feel like this might've been talked about in last week's podcast, but um, there's part of Ladato C that talks about how with media being so much easier to put out into the world now with technology that we have to be really careful of not putting out like only putting out things that we are fully confident are like valuable to the world so that we don't I think Pope Francis puts it that we don't like cover up the voices of the ancients and the wise or something like that so that we don't or like sages of the past or something um I don't know basically like don't put out like mediocre don't just spew mediocre stuff, like, only put out good things that you are, like, you think are going to be valuable to the world, um, and, like, what does it say? Sorry, like, that's somehow, like, hard now, Mm -hmm. I think, like, I think it's somehow, like, with the, like, 24-hour news cycle, and, like, Mm -hmm. the surgence of, like, social media, and all of the fun things that come with being a part of the generation that we're a part of, is, like, a lot of content is, just like mediocre last minute like slap it together put it out into the world Mm -hmm. that it's hard to like navigate like what is actually valuable and I feel like that like actually takes much more like time and thought and effort than people might expect Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I agree all right we should probably probably wrap up 
yeah, I could talk to you about this for hours. I know. But I feel like don't want to listen to a six-hour podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this this podcast is either going to be like, oh my goodness, people are going to love it so much, or they're going to be like, oh my goodness, it's the two of you ranting about stuff that I just have never had access to. But I was thinking, I haven't actually, this is totally Olivia's saying something and then not like walking the walk. I'm about to say something and then I haven't thought through what I'm going to answer this question. Um, if people... So this is kind of like a very like specific subset of people that deal with these activism issues. But I'm glad that people have gotten kind of a glimpse of like, next time you see like some youth person doing something great, like <laughs> my the little voice in my head just said like, know that their life is being destroyed too. Um, that, that is self-deprecating. Um, but not entirely false. <laughs> that, um, part, partially false. Let's partially, go with partially false. false. Um, <laughs> yes. Anyway, where was I going with that? Um, oh, okay. What what can people take away from this episode if they themselves are not a youth activist or do not happen to be the parent of a youth activist? <laughs> huh. Hmm. This is me I think... really putting the cart before the horse. I don't have an answer, so you go. I do have an answer, but I think I've said this multiple times in the past hour that it is not going to be very eloquent. Um, <laughs> that, like, to strive for, like, true authenticity. Um, because I think, and, like, maybe this is a me problem and this is not, like, an activism space problem, but I think that there are times where I've, like, deluded myself into thinking, like, this is my most authentic self. Like, this is me living my truth. This is me, like, mm -hmm. showing my passions to the world. And it's not. And I'm, like, hiding sides of myself. And I'm, like, hiding aspects of, like, what this life looks like for me. Um, and being, like, truly, like, vulnerable and authentic is really hard. And I don't think that anyone can do it perfectly. And I think that there are, like, we could really talk about like authenticity for an hour but like I think that there are like caveats to saying that but I think that like in every aspect of your life you will be put in situations where you're like trying to like fit into a particular narrative or like speak on behalf of a group or like you're not really acknowledging all of the nuances and like what you think and feel and believe and like trying to like really put that out there like your real most honest truthful self like that's just that's like the real challenge but it's also the real goal mm -hmm. yes yes that's what I'll say about that okay um I came up with my things I have two takeaways um the first one is go to therapy please go to therapy um the second one is the Harvard mentality like really my my Harvard theory of like what are you doing in your life to fit into a box that you don't even want to be in anyway. Like, I don't know. Where in your life are you applying the Harvard theory? Um, and just stop it. Like, stop doing things for your resume. Like, your resume doesn't care. <laughs> like, I don't know. It just, it's not, there are so many issues that need to be fixed in this world, and we cannot deal with lukewarm people who are only doing things to put it on a piece of paper. And if you are only doing something or not even really doing it to put it on a piece of paper, 
like don't apply to the job that wants that on the piece of paper because they don't want you either like <laughs> yeah that's what I was gonna say I'm like even if you're doing things to add them to your resume because you think that's you like reaching for the bigger goal like maybe re-examine what your bigger goal is yes like even if, like even steps. if the smaller yeah. yeah if the smaller things don't matter as much like does the big thing matter as much as you think it does yes yes yeah, like if you want to work for a company that requires you to have had experience doing whatever before, if you don't want to do the whatever, then the company's probably not a good fit for you. Like if you don't, I don't know, if you want to go to Harvard, but you don't want to put in all those hours on SAT prep because you want to be go serving, going and serving the homeless, like maybe BC or Franciscan is a better fit for you than Harvard. <laughs> um, yeah, that is my own truth right there. Um all right. I think that is all I have. That was a lot, but that was very good. Yeah. And I really hope that people take stuff away from this episode. Yeah, I agree with you. This is like very messy, but I hope that there are like some valuable takeaways from all of the fun ranting we just did. <laughs> all right. And with that, we will talk to you next week. Thank you so, so very much for listening, and thank you to Sarah for coming back over to the To The Heights podcast, um, even though it looks a little bit different now. We're recording from home via Zoom um, versus being in the fancy, swanky Catholic TV studio, which I miss so dearly um, and hope to be back very soon. Um, at least that's the plan. Hopefully, I will be going back to BC. Um, that is also the plan, but who knows? Um prayers that I will be back in that studio very soon and recording with people there. But for now, this is perfectly fine. Anyway, um, thank you to Sarah and thank you to you guys for listening. I am so overwhelmed and grateful with all of the support and feedback about um, this season three, Hope and Humanity. Um, I It feels so right and it feels so good and I'm so glad that other people feel that too. Um, we definitely need these messages of hope and these causes and people um, who are doing truly incredible things right now. Um, I'm trying to think what are my announcements. We always come to this at the end of the episode and you would think, here's a little inside scoop. I used to, at like the very beginning of podcasting, have like nice episode outlines um, and that has been severely boiled down now. Um, but also, you would think that my intro and outro have been, like, committed to memory after over 30 episodes. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. We're good. Um, Grexley. This podcast is a production of the Grexley Podcast Network, um, which all of the podcasts can be found at grexley.com, um, as well as our Patreon if you feel called to support the cause um, and get exclusive behind-the-scenes um, little updates from all of the podcasters, videos, etc., and access to the Grex cast um, with all of us on it together, as well as the merch shop can be found at grexley.com as well. Um, what else? What else? Um, if you guys want, we are doing a um, Catholic social teaching, Laudato C sustainability Q&A episode and Ask Olivia episode at the end of season three. Um, you can submit your questions by either DMing them to any of our accounts, um, Twitter and Instagram probably, at to the Heights CTV, or um, possibly a better way is you can shoot us an email with any of your questions, um, which is to the Heights podcast at gmail.com. 
or there is a contact form on Grexley and under the To The Heights podcast page on Grexley, there is a um, guest suggestion form. You can fill that up too with either guests or questions, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Um, all right, now for today's weekly challenge, which I love that we're doing this now. Um, I want to see more plastic-free swaps from last week, given that it is plastic-free July, and we talked all about that in last week, last week's episode. Um, I've had so many good conversations following that, and, like, I stand by the point that, like, you cannot be Catholic and not recycle, um, unless there is something impeding that, like, sustainability is a, an, it's not just, like, it's not a choice, well, it is a choice, but, like, it it is a must for Catholics. Um, so I want to see more plastic-free swaps. Are you getting your coffee in a reusable cup? Um, are you switching up straw, no straw? Are you using mason jars, takeaway jars, bars of soap instead of um, bottles? What are you doing? I want to see it. Um, I think that is all I have. Um, as always, you can find us at To The Heights CTV. You can find me at Olivia Rose underscore art or oliviaroseart.com. And I will talk to you guys next week. Keep on reaching to the heights.